0: Hello and welcome to The Sound Off on School Safety, presented by Safe and Sound Schools. I'm your host, Alyssa Parker, co-founder and director of Outreach for Safe and Sound. And today we will continue our live coverage of our virtual National Summit on School Safety. Safe and Sound Schools is a nonprofit organization founded by parents who lost children in the Sandy Hook tragedy. Our mission is to provide research-based tools and support for crisis prevention, response, and recovery for school communities across the nation. Today is the last day of our summit and it has truly been amazing. So many great moments already. Yesterday, we heard from Dr. CJ Huff during his keynote presentation, who I got to interview earlier this summer, which was fantastic. Next was our resilience panel, which I might add was stacked with an incredible group of individuals. From Frank DeAngelis from Columbine, Van Brooks, who has Quite a story to tell, whom we have to have on our show, I might add. Ryan Petty from Parkland, Natalie Hammond from Sandy Hook, and of course, Dr. CJ Huff. I mean, wow. Talk about people who have experienced the unthinkable. And I think during these times, this is a great reminder that this too shall pass and we can survive. Another powerful moment was the premiere of the FBI documentary In the Aftermath. We first watched it Wednesday morning and there was an encore viewing last night. Our guest today, Cynthia Kaufman, our guest today, Cynthia Kaufman, is the board chair for the Colorado Healing Fund and former Attorney General of Colorado. The state of Colorado, as you know, has been hit with multiple high-profile mass tragedies over the years ever since the Columbine shooting. And because of this experience, individuals from their states have served as consultants in the aftermath of those mass tragedies. Their collective understanding has shaped the thinking around preparedness for mass tragedies and led to the establishment of the Colorado Healing Fund. The nonprofit provides funds immediately to families of those killed and to survivors and serves as a central and trusted organization for collecting and coordinating distribution of donations to support survivors and the community over an extended period of time. The Colorado Healing Fund partnered with Safe and Sound Schools to bring this wonderful documentary to our summit. If you miss the screening, don't worry. It will be available on our on-demand library. Visit Safe and Sound Schools to find out how you can get caught up on this film and all the other presentations from our summit. Hello, Cynthia. Again, I get to chat with you and this time we get to talk about In the Aftermath. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Good morning, it's, uh, it's great to be back. And my goodness, what an exciting thing to see in the aftermath last night and have a chance to listen to the panel after yeah. we discussed it.
0: So tell me, what did you think? What did you think of the film first off? Let's talk about that.
1: Well, my, my first thing is I want to watch it again and again. Yeah. So much, um, there's so much packed in to the film and so many good quotes from people. And I was just, the, th- that first time through, I was really taken by the personalities and the personal stories and how much there is there for people who now have to experience an event. We have people in this film and in their larger picture and communities who can help. And that, it was such a message of hope. In that regard, even though we were talking about extraordinarily tragic events and and loss of lives and and traumatic injuries, and yet people expressed that hope and the fact that they will be there to help others in their situation on their given day.
0: Yeah, and for me, obviously, watching the film was a bit of a flashback to my own experience at Sandy Hook tragedy, which obviously... You know pretty personal to me and and i think sometimes when people are watching especially because this covered a, a larger scope of time rather than just you know the time frame that i usually talk within as far as sandy hook is related and i think people are often surprised to see how big and how long lasting the ripple effects of an event like this impact a community and especially those who have been impacted by that directly. And because you are from that community that was kind of, you know, the first with, Columbine, you know, what kinds of needs do you still see in your community from those who were affected by that day? Because I think it's going to be surprising for people to learn this, which is what we learned from you right after our tragedy.
1: Well, at the Colorado Healing Fund, we received a request just two weeks ago from a Columbine survivor for some assistance for a medical need that had arisen. Um, and here we are, you know, 21 years out, and we still have someone who's looking for resources and saying, I've heard about you. Is this something that you can help me with? We talked so much in the formation of the Healing Fund about the fact that we need to be there, not just in the week and the month after the tragedy, although that's an extraordinarily important time, because people are pouring out their hearts and opening their wallets and wanting to give, but we have to hold money and trust and make sure that we have it for needs two or three or four years or 10 years down the road, 20 years now. um, We have to be the folks who are the stewards of those resources who say, we can't spend it all in the first year um, because we have to be mindful of the fact that these traumatic effects um, continue. And just as Michelle Gay said last night, the ripples for communities and for survivors and for law enforcement and victims who will be triggered by something years down the road, they are substantial. And so we, we hope that we can help fill that gap.
0: One thing I learned from my own experience is that trauma has no timeline. We see effects of that when they come. And that might be 20 years down the road. That might be triggered by something unexpected, might be triggered by a loss in your own family later on, or a memory that comes to you that that just replays in your head over and over again. We just don't know. And I think you're, you're smart to be able to identify that and kind of take those lessons learned. And I think that that hopefully is an example to a lot of other states and communities who need to be prepared to support for the unthinkable.
1: And I have the honor of knowing Sean Graves personally, Frank DeAngelis, John Michael Keyes. Oh, who were all in the documentary, right. Yes. yes, folks who have suffered those losses, and, and I have been that bystander who has, has seen and witnessed um, the fact that, that things come up along the way on their journey, uh, the long journey of recovery, that they would never have anticipated Uh, and that the rest of us need need to be able to lift them up and shore them up and support them whenever that happens. Absolutely.
0: After last night's replay of the documentary, we had the opportunity to hear from a panel of folks that were actually featured on the film, including two of the filmmakers themselves. Wasn't it so great?
1: I was thinking, you know, about some of my favorite movies that I've seen and how much fun it would have been to have that type of conversation afterward with the people who put it together, it asked questions and, yeah. and real life opportunity to do that. So I'm
0: curious, was there a moment that stood out to you during the panel?
1: I think when Marcello and Terry were talking about the fact that they realized when they made Echoes of Columbine that there was another story to tell. And that really Sean Graves' experience and his work with them on, on Echoes um, made them realize that they needed to talk about things like recovery and reunification and long-term impacts. And the fact that they, they took that responsibility, they took that as their mission and followed through with compassion and made sure that that happened for the rest of us, I think it's just a tremendous gift.
0: My favorite moment came from Joe Samara. Who lost his daughter at Virginia Tech, who, when speaking about those affected by these tragedies, said something like, our goal is to leave no one behind. I love that. What a challenge. Even as I look around at what we're experiencing today with COVID and civil unrest, to stop and look around and make sure we aren't missing those who are struggling. Leave no one behind, which is exactly what the Colorado Healing Fund is trying to do.
1: Well, I agree with you that that quote from Joe um, stood out for me because that image, those words, we associate with the battlefield. Um, that's what I think of is is in, in war times, um, people who are in battle say, we won't leave you on the battlefield. We won't leave you behind. And in some ways, I'm not just it gave me chills, honestly, because I thought if we can think of our mission as we look at recovery for communities and survivors in that way and always be looking over our shoulder to see who we might have left behind, who we need to check in with, um, who we need to pair with a mentor, uh, with an advisor to make sure that we don't uh, miss anyone who is still grieving their loss and their injury. Um, and some folks are very good at um, at putting that away so we can't see it. And so we have to, so I think, sometimes be inquisitive in a kind and gentle way. It's but
0: hard. We, it's hard to ask for to, to make sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I remember even to this day, you know, I'm really good at making people think I'm okay. And I know I'm not alone in that trait. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But the... The Healing Fund has, um, I, I think, incorporated that thought. And I'm going to talk to them about that and to the board and to the advisory committee when we meet in two weeks and say, because they're going to watch the film, I say, listen to this and let this be your inspiration. Um, because we have folks who've been who've responded to many different events and they have their stories um, and, and uh, their lessons to teach us. And one of those was that, you know, in every case we could think of, there was not a structure or a framework for people to donate. And so that had to be stood up in each instance, in each community. And some, you know, some struggled more than others um, to make that happen and to get the word out. And we thought, well, we can do that. We can be sort of the, the Red Cross Um, for mass casualty events. Um, But in the course of our work, we've also found in the time of COVID-19 that we can help folks who are uh, working with on the front lines with people who have been afflicted by the disease and with their families. And so we've actually taken on an additional project to be the fiscal officers for an effort called Feed the Frontlines Denver that pairs restaurants with hospitals and long-term care centers and uh, police and sheriff's departments and prepares meals for them. And so we help collect the money and make sure those the restaurants get paid and the meals get out. And uh, really COVID is something we would not have anticipated um, as as a country, just as we don't anticipate many of the tragedies that we've responded to. And yet, We need to be there in the breach.
0: I think that a lot of schools are are doing similar things that we have spoken to and and parent groups where, you know, you've got these children who depend on the school for those meals that they have and all of a sudden being at home or hybrid um, or, you know, even just when they come home on the weekends, if they're able to go in person and they're without a meal. And so a lot of communities have really stepped it up and gone out and looked for specific donations during this time so that those students aren't left behind, that they are not left hungry, and that they can have the food that they need to, you know, just maintain. And and it's just a basic human right. And it's important for us to do research, ask questions, just like you said, because we've also trained ourselves to reject that help and to pretend that we don't need it. And so I think it is important that we we do look a little bit closer at, at those around us who might need our help. So thank you for that reminder and thank you for the work that you do and the support for our organization and the work that we are doing. So thank you for being here and having this conversation with me.
1: Thank you and a big shout out to Safe and Sound Schools for your conference, for the work within the Aftermath You've created the bridge for us to have the difficult conversations um, and to plan ahead and to be prepared. Thank you for that. Thank you.
0: I want to thank Cynthia and the Colorado Healing Fund for their support for the premiere of the FBI documentary In the Aftermath and panel. I want to personally thank them for the amazing work that they are doing to help victims in the state of Colorado. Again, if you would like to catch up on any presentation from the summit or the FBI documentary In the Aftermath, visit our website at safeandsoundschools.org to learn how you can have access to our on-demand library. I am Melissa Parker. Thank you for listening to today's episode and for doing your part to protect every school, every student, every day. Thank you.